HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're talking organization. Not mise en place or keeping your knives in a row, but labor organizing. If any restaurant worker is listening to this and is like, yes, I want something different, but I don't know where to start. First step they just need to do is to find one of us and get plugged in. As independent contractors, they can't directly tell people, you know, when or, or where to work, but by using sort of gamified nudges to push people, that is sort of how they um, move the workforce around. Tune in to Meet in 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. And today on the show, we have Amanda Parker, Managing Director of Cowgirl Creamery and Tamales Bay Foods, uh, famous for their organic pasture-raised milk in the Sonoma Marin counties, excuse me. Um, And their most popular cheeses are Mount Tam and Red Hawk. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I'm pretty excited about this episode because uh, Managing Director of Cowgirl Creamery, I mean, what is it like to be running a legacy creamery? That's pretty cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool. I feel very fortunate. Um, it's a it's an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing company. We have an incredible legacy, to your point. And I feel really fortunate to be able to to sort of take the company in this to this next phase and to have our founders, Peg and Sue, with this amazing longstanding tradition of of great work in our communities and with great cheese and great people. So it's wonderful. So so were you um kind of being sculpted towards this? Was this expected? Or were they like, hey, guess what? We think you're smart and cool. You're running the show now. How how did this come about? Like was this in the works for a while or well, I I mean, I guess in a manner of speaking, but not explicitly. So um, so I actually met Peggy and Sue way back in 2011. Um, 
if you can believe it, I met Peg and Sue in Italy, actually, when I was very fortunate to get to go to the Slow Cheese Festival for the first time. And we just kind of stayed in touch through cheese events over, I guess, the next decade. Um, But I had left cheese for a couple of years. I came out west from New York, where I had been living for most of my life, and ended up going to get my master's in business. And again, kind of kept in touch a little bit, but they reached out right when I graduated and then sort of began this process of what would it look like for them to be transitioning out of the business and for me to come in. So I knew when I joined that this would ultimately be the position, but it wasn't something I was expecting by that point, by any means. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I like that there was a vision, at least, um, going into this because it has a lot of uh, I like to say different areas in the cheese world that it works as. I mean, yeah. um, if you want to give a quick like cowgirl creamery, how it functions, what it is kind of uh, to the listeners, just so they understand who and what cowgirl creamery is exactly. Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So we like to think of ourselves as an ecosystem of small businesses all under one roof. Um, so Cowgirl Creamery, of course, is the brand we're known best for. It's all of the amazing organic cheeses and dairy products that we make and sell and distribute all throughout the country and the Bay Area more locally. Um, but then we also have three other areas of our business. The Tamales Bay Foods arm is our small distribution business uh, that's local here in the Bay Area and California. So we not only sell and, and distribute our own cheeses, but you know, a couple hundred SKUs of other cheeses and specialty products, everything from cheese to crackers to charcuterie to jams and specialty products and whatnot. We have our own fleet um, and we're working with wineries and restaurants and retailers all throughout California. And then we have our direct-to-consumer e-commerce business. So our website uh, used to be mail order, and now it's all (laughs) e-commerce. But we're we're shipping boxes of cheese collections and subscriptions to, again, customers all throughout the country. Uh, And then last but not least, we have our flagship store in Point Reyes Station, the old hay barn that the company actually started in all those years ago. So a little bit of everything. Right, right. And I mean, uh, so that's, first of all, I love that. It's diversified. Great business (laughs) model. Very, very (laughs) smart. Um, About how many employees does Cowgirl have at this point? Is is there like a number it's around? Yeah, so we're about 90 employees altogether. Wow. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. And so I'm trying to figure out what part of this we should go to next because there's just There's a lot going on, I guess. Well, I'm kind of curious about one thing. So last year, I think it was, uh, the ferry market, uh, the store at the ferry market was closed. Or was that a hard decision? Will there be another brick and mortar store down the line for Cowgirl Creamery, at least for the San Francisco area? Well, yes, it was a really tough decision um, and certainly one that we didn't make lightly. It was a, a long year of discussion and debate and looking at the impacts of COVID on on so many parts of our business, just like everybody else in the world and in our industry. But specifically down at the ferry building, it was kind of a, a, a terrible confluence of events with no visitors. You know, that, that building is such an iconic landmark institution in the city that we had a lot of tourists, a lot of locals, commuters, a lot of downtown business people. And suddenly overnight, it seemed that just all dried up. 
And so we we did a really good job. The team did an amazing job of keeping it going for about a year, a little under a year, until we finally just decided we we couldn't really make it work anymore. And it was a really tough decision. But um, you know, ultimately we are we are based up in the North Bay. The birthplace of our company is our is our retail store up in Point Reyes. And so we're gonna spend the next couple couple of months, years focusing on on that as our flagship reinvest a little bit up there and, and make that a really wonderful and welcoming um, origin spot. And then who knows about San Francisco? I'm, I'm always open to new opportunities, but, um, but yeah, that, uh, that was a tough decision and it's definitely an end of an era. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, the tech industry as a whole is kind of um, outside of the Chisco, but is changing. And I, that's kind of affecting, I guess, all metropolitan cities. Um, Absolutely. But then I guess in relating to a tech note, e-commerce world for you what has that been like have you had do you need like new machinery <laughs> like has there been new <laughs> like processes set up for like how is this going for you because um you sell nationally so how is that going my goodness it was it was quite a year in so many so many ways um but yeah so as some of our businesses really dramatically declined some of them exploded and e-commerce was absolutely one of them um you know it's always been a a not enormous part of our business. We're certainly not an e-commerce retailer first and foremost, but we saw a really big growth. We almost doubled in size in our e-commerce last year. And we were we really happy to be able to provide cheese to people's homes for many folks who were stuck at home. And, and we tried a couple of fun things to really make that work better for us internally. We upgraded our website, so we made it work more, make it made it work better for us operationally. Um, and we tried a couple of different product selections. So, you know, we were sending out whole wheels of cheese at one point to no folks way. who, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our, our five pound wheel hop along, we actually had folks buying whole wheels of cheese and just <laughs> shipping it to themselves, I guess, cause it stuck around in your fridge for a while if somebody didn't want to go to the grocery store. But, um, we experimented a lot and it's been an exciting thing to see kind of come full circle as we, as we figure out what's next there, since there's, there's obviously opportunity, but it's also a, I mean, it's an area where you have to have a good amount of expertise, I think, to really be able to to make it work well within an ecosystem like ours. Yeah, I admire those curd nerds out there getting five pound wheels of cheese. That's uh, right. That's pretty righteous, right there. <laughs> <laughs> good for them. Um, yeah, I noticed on your website you even have a collaboration with um, Cypress Grove, um, yeah. which I thought was really kind of a cool thing. Has that happened before? A kind of collaboration between you and Cypress, or? Um, yeah, we, I mean, future? they are, well, it's, it's definitely a part of both our past and our future, I'd say. Um, we distribute Cypress's cheeses among many others through Tamales Bay Foods, right? So we have a warehouse attached to our primary office and are able to basically use all of those cheeses that we're distributing to restaurants and retailers and wineries around the Bay Area to put together these collections with lots of other cheesemakers and, and makers of all kinds that we really love. So Cypress is one of the more uh, recent ones that we've collaborated with, but we've often and always actually had other makers from Tamales Bay area, other makers from California, from across the pond in some cases. Um, but it's been fun to be able to collaborate with all of these other amazing producers uh, to help them grow in e-commerce as well. So are there like any up and coming creameries that um, that you've had your eye on? Or is it is it really more like new products at CalGirl that um, I guess that's a two, two page question, I guess, really. Um, yeah. 
Um, let's start with, are there any new creameries in California that you're kind of like, wow, that's pretty cool what they're doing? Uh, you know, it's a tough one to answer, I think, because the past year has been so crazy that I think, I mean, it's sad for me to think about not seeing as many new creameries as we used to. And we haven't seen many go out of business per se, but certainly fewer new ones than I think those of us who have been in cheese for a long time have been really happy to see with the growth of artisan cheese across America. Um, there are people doing some interesting things out there. So one of our milk suppliers, actually, for example, Bivalve Dairy is doing some work on making cheeses that are across a whole bunch of different types. But um, I'm particularly fond of their Mendoza, which is a, a kind of Azorian style cheese that is just this amazing kind of interesting, unusual cheese that I haven't seen out and about besides, you know, some of those Portuguese makers. Um, that's pretty cool. You know, and they're doing that with doing- cow's milk? With cow's milk, yeah, huh, yeah. So it's not thistle cool. rennet, but it's um, it's this kind of riff on the Portuguese style from the Azores, which is where the family was originally from. So lots of apparently there's lots of huge celebrations where they have these 30, 40 pound wheels of this cheese, and hmm. it's a kind of big festival type uh, celebration. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that is pretty cool. I'll have to if I'm at a cheese show in the future when we get to it. Uh, I'll have to see if they have a sample out there. Check that out. Yeah, um, definitely. And so in going back to Cowgirl now, has there been any um, cheese making improvements or um, like, for example, I think it used to sell by weight and now it's selling by exact weight. I mean, how does that how's that been for you guys? Um, is that like one of the cool tech up techs that you guys have done? Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think again, as the as the cheese world has changed so much, certainly in, in my time in cheese, we we think about things like data now, right? Or mm-hmm. or efficiencies and that kind of thing. Um, you know, last year we we made the decision to switch from a random weight to an exact weight because we were frankly just seeing that so many stores, I mean, you remember last year, cheesemongers mm-hmm. were getting pulled in supermarkets to go stock toilet paper, right? So we um we kind of made the call that because the cheese was already individually sized and this was just one more way we could help help our stores, our partners save labor, um, that it was an opportunity for us to just make that a little easier on everybody. And we have the kind of added benefit now too of being able to, um, we're about to launch a store locator on our website so that people across the country who maybe are less familiar with where you can buy our cheese since, you know, we, we are still in the process of expanding who we work with and getting more people, more access to our delicious cheeses. Um, we're able to collect that information now and, and use the barcode as a tool for us and for our customers. Wow. That's really, that's very interesting actually. And it, it lead, it actually leads into my next question, which is what type of store is expected to sell Cowgirl Creamery? Um, yeah. you know, what, what is that now? Well, for a very, very long time, I mean, listen, I remember reaching out to Peg and Sue way back when, um, in, you know, in my, my history with, uh, with the Murray's Kroger project, which was the bulk of my time in cheese. I remember reaching out to them when we opened stores in California and saying, please, we have to have your cheese. It's cowgirl creamery. It's, it's iconic. And they just, they didn't have the capacity. The creamery at the time was too small. And so I think the the amazing opportunity we have now is with having invested in a bigger creamery a couple of years ago, we're able to expand that access to more types of customers. And 
I'm really proud of that, not only because of the opportunity it means for for us and for introducing organic cheeses to to more people, but it also, of course, then means good stuff for our dairy partners. Um, so, you know, we're going from hopefully being well represented in all of our our beloved independent cheese shops to adding, you know, we've always worked with Whole Foods nationally. It's been almost 20 years. Um, wow. But being able to find our cheeses in more of the um, the growing kind of organic sections or specialty sections in independent chains or regional grocery stores or multi-unit independent shops, just basically more opportunities for more people in in different places to get uh, to get access to us. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer because I I really do see that happening to all the very well made good cheeses that have been around for twenty years plus. Um, I, that's how it's going now. It's in yeah. every aspect of the chain, uh, supermarkets levels, I would say, and the specialty shops. So I love that. Um, that's a that's a really great way to say it, Amanda. Um, and I actually I want to bring up the point about the expansion next, because um, in 2016, Emmy, it, which is a Swiss dairy company, uh, I don't know if it's bought Calgirl Creamery. I'm not sure what the exact wording should be for that, but. Um, <laughs> How is that relationship working? Are they expecting anything from you or do you have like carte blanche? Are you are you allowed to do anything with the money? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are, I think we are very lucky to have in some ways what I, I love the blend of, of what we are as a company, right? So we are this community of, of cheesemakers, of cheese sellers, of people who love cheese. And I like to think of us as a company that has the heart of a small of a small business and the focus on specialty and artisan organic cheese and those kinds of products. But we have resources to a global parent company. So, you know, we are able in many ways to, to blend that. We have a lot of autonomy, right? So I get to, I run the business and, um, you know, our team is focusing on what's best for Cowgirl, but we have access to sister companies across the country and the world, in fact. Um, and, you know, Rooted in all of that, Emmy is a company that is is owned by majority. The majority shareholders of Emmy are Swiss dairy farmers, so it's a company that's really rooted in family dairy, in the traditions of dairy, and um, it makes for a good partnership. That's awesome. Yeah, I I, I appreciate how Emmy has um, handled and cowgirl that relationship. I, I think. Um, it's uh it's very balanced, which I don't know if everyone has gotten that same uh mm. fair game in the cheese world. Um so actually, I think we're going to take a quick break because uh, we'll get into the cheese part. I've done the business side now. I think we'll, we'll step into <laughs> cheese for the next half of the show. Um, hey, everyone, you're listening to uh, Cutting the Curd with Amanda Parker from Cowgirl Creamery on the show. I'm your host, Kara Warren, and we will be right back. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. 
Conte takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conte is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conte is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com. Okay, welcome back, everyone. This is Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. And today on the show, as I mentioned before, we are talking with Amanda Parker of Cowgirl Creamery, Managing Director of the Creamery, and also Tamales Bay, because we can't forget they also do wholesale, which is like everything in the cheese biz. I love it. Uh, (laughs) But what we really need to get into is, because we've barely spoken about the cheeses that are actually... The, the cream here, this is the Mount Tam, the Red Hawk, and then like there's several different varieties, which actually, Amanda, going through the list of cheeses, um, yeah. are those are those going to stay? I know they're all kind of seasonal. There's like one with mushroom dust on it. There's one with red pepper flakes on it. Does that help the business uh, or does it just make it more confusing? <laughs> <laughs> it's a longstanding conversation for us, for sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, Mount Tam is our kind of bread and butter. It's what we're known best for. It's that really iconic, uh, organic, bloomy-rinded, triple cream. Red Hawk, of course, is our washed rind version, sort of version of that. Now it's a a totally different cheese. But, of course, you know, Red Hawk is our famous mistake that turned into this beloved beloved byproduct. Um, The seasonal cheeses, I think, are what you're referring to. So it's the Pierce Point, which is our summer seasonal um, the Chimney Rock is the fall, the Devil's Gulch is the winter, and St. Pat is our, our spring, which is uh, nettle leaf wrapped for spring. And, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting conundrum, right? Because mm-hmm. so much of what people in general love about food and seasonality of food these days is that shifting of the seasons. On the other hand, operationally, you can imagine, it's pretty difficult to manage four different chunks of time, four different versions, um, and getting it through the supply chain can be a bit of a challenge. So we're trying to figure out what's what's next and what's best for those cheeses, but certainly you won't see them see them go entirely away. We're just trying to figure out the the next best step for those in particular now. Right, because also, so this is it's it's certified organic. Yes. Am I right? Yes. So it's artisan Absolutely. organic cheeses that they're billed as. They're uh, bloomy rinded cheeses, soft ripened. And then, so what is the shelf life like for these cheeses? Because that's always a part of the whole logistical chain. Uh, like, I don't know how, a Mount Tam, everyone eats Mount Tam. So I feel like the shelf life, I, I want to say I, I never have to look at the shelf life, but what is the shelf <laughs> life like on a Mount Tam? Yeah, it's about um, 60 to 70 days officially, right? And the I mean, I guess the shelf life also just depends on when you like to eat it. So it's a cheese that changes over its lifespan. And it's one of the more interesting facts about Mount Tam, actually, that even I, as a, a cheesemonger who sold it for many years, really didn't realize until I came here to Cowgirl that, you know, Mount Tam is known as a, a bloomy rinded cheese, but it's actually, it's made as a Gouda. It's made as a Gouda. It's ripened as a soft ripened bloomy cheese. And because of the internal make process, it actually doesn't ripen fully in the same way that, let's say, a brie or a camembert does in, in a, you know, more one curd versus the, the cutting of the curd that we do like a small Gouda. 
um, which makes it this American original, right? It's an interesting cheese, but... Yeah, I had no idea. That, right? That's, Isn't that interesting? I had yeah, no idea. I so feel like you just gave a, a huge trade secret away. Like, <laughs> I, had, I, I, I completely thought it was under the brie recipe line. I had no idea. I mean, it is a very yeah. dense cheese, though. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that curdy center is intentionally there. Right. And and if you think about other small format triple cremes, they get gooey all the way through and they are, you know, delicious and buttery and whatnot. And we have that in the cream line, but we are always looking for that slightly curdy kind of corky center um, because it's a dual texture cheese. You know, the legend has it that Sue wanted, a, our founder, Sue Conley, wanted a cheese that you could put in a backpack and bring on a hike up to Mount Tam. You know, hence hmm. Mount Tam. Yeah. Um, but so she wanted it to be able to stand on its own and not get so fully ripened or liquefied or, you know, gooey all the way through that it would be just like one of those French bloomy, bloomy rinded triple crumbs. Um, and so as such, some people really love the gooeyness of the cream line, which means they're going to eat it towards the end of its shelf life. Some people like the dual texture and that kind of white button mushroom, fresher flavor of the center and more cultured butter towards the cream line and the rind. You know, it depends a little bit on what you prefer, but it definitely makes it an unusual cheese and unlike many of those other triple creams that folks are familiar with. Wow. What a great recipe. And like to have the foresight to, I mean, I don't think that was what, maybe they were aiming for it. Maybe they weren't. I don't know. But I mean, (laughs) it's the fact that it is still selling so like... I don't know how to explain this, but it, it to to the listeners, I think the cheese nerds out there that know this cheese, it's it's been around for so and it tastes good. Like I feel like I'm always wandering back to it. You know, it's just, it's one of those cheeses. Um, it's a classic. And if you haven't discovered Mount Tam out there, I feel like please run out and go get one. And then if you need a twist on the Mount Tam, go to the Red Hawk. <laughs> I feel exactly. like that's, <laughs> that's I mean, I, I anyway, I'm going on a tangent now. But the other thing I, I want to <laughs> other thing I want to get into. Is it considered new, the cheese that you were, I haven't tasted it yet. It's Inverness. Is that how Inverness. you say it? Inverness. Yes. Yes. So interestingly, it's, it's kind of new and it's kind of old. We've actually made it for quite some time. Um, Inverness is a small town with, on Tamales Bay. So it's right around the corner from Point Reyes Station where, you know, we were founded, where we have the barn, where we have our original creamery. Um, and so we've made it for, a, a, you know, a decade, at least here, um, for those who are able to picture it, it's kind of like, um, I think of it almost like a, a cross between a larger crotin or a small shabby shoe, right? It's a little cylinder. It's geo-rinded, geotrichum rinded, um, but cow's milk. And so it kind of has that flakiness of a cent- the center. Um, honestly, it's cur- its curd structure is almost like a, a slightly aged fromage blanc, but then the geotrichum rind, of course, gives those lovely little wrinkles on the outside. And so we've made it forever, but it's been super, super, super small format, small batch. We really only made it here for our own store and some of our local partners here. I see. But it's many of our internal teams, actually their favorite cheese. So when we were looking for things to start to grow and to start to expand access to, it was one of the first places we looked to say, hey, what could we do to bring something that feels new to more people, but is actually something that we know how to make and and just build them that. That's uh, that's pretty cool, actually. And it, again, so this is all cow's milk. Yes. And it's it's like that croton. And then I was looking at the picture of it online. Is it does it come in a 
like a cup, a plastic cup or something? (laughs) Am I imagining that? Yeah, it kind of depends on where you find it. So we used to sell it or we still sell it um, in bulk, right? In a a pack of 12 locally here to be repackaged. And so some folks sell it in almost what looks like an espresso cup, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We're playing around with some packaging that frankly, it's kind of difficult these days to balance packaging with sustainability needs. And so we're trying to find the right retail packaging for it as as we move out into the world more so that we're not, you know, overloading the world with too much plastic, but also keep it protected since it's pretty delicate. So right now you'll see it in a three pack on our website um, where you can buy it as an e-commerce collection, kind of as a a first sneak peek. Uh, And that's in a little kind of, it almost looks like a golf ball sleeve, you know what I mean? That little kind of package. Yeah, Um, cool. Because I I was wondering about when I like wrote the sentence plastic cup, I was like, (laughs) Wait, that doesn't sound right for California. <laughs> no, it, it's tough packaging these days. My goodness, it is a it is a challenging world to be in. Um, just because we we are super sustainably minded here and trying really hard to do our best to to help improve the environment, not make it worse, and uh, finding something that a cheese can live and breathe in, but also be protected, of course, and as it goes anywhere, is really tough. And that looks good on the shelf, like the marketing side Absolutely. point, which Absolutely. I think you guys have done very well. It's always a very clear message, at least um, from what I, I don't know if you're doing a new brand identity and you could surprise me, but uh, <laughs> it's, it, it looks very nice. Uh, is there anything new marketing wise that I should be looking out for? Yeah, I mean, we're not doing kind of a full refresh per se, but, um, you know, as as we've as we've kind of grown and, and changed and whatnot in the last couple of years, certainly since I've been here, we've brought in some some new people to our team. Um, the marketing team has has expanded, and we've been trying some really new visual, beautiful new visuals to help bring our message and our story to life. So we've got some some great folks that joined our team over the last couple of years, um, especially in the marketing team. No, it's very cool. Um, so. I guess now my big question is for the upcoming fall holiday season, what are you guys forecasting? Is it going to be like a super bang out where everyone's buying cheese because they can get back together? Or is it like super conservative, <laughs> like we're going to huddle down, be careful? Like what, what's the vibe at your creamery? You know, if I knew, if I had a crystal ball, like, I, I wish I did. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I hope, I hope that it is a celebration that encompasses two years worth of celebration but in a safe way. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I think that we in California have been so locked down for this whole time and we're really beginning to see signs of signs of rebirth, signs of life, signs of, of sunshine. You know, it's, um, it's exciting to see. So I hope the holiday season really rides that wave and continues to feel optimistic and celebratory after such a, a tough year and a half. Um, it was really a bummer last year. It was tough to be, I was in our retail store, you know, before Christmas and just not feeling the the holidays, right? As a, I mean, you know, as a monger, I, I, I started as a cheesemonger, right? The holidays are the most exciting time to get to see people who, in our case, specialty cheese customers, sometimes they only buy cheese once, once, maybe twice a year if they're not, if they're not diehards like we are, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, yeah, no, you're to not right. have that was really tough last year among obviously all of the other hardships. So I hope that this holiday season is a, is a banger. I hope it's a blowout and I hope everybody stays safe and healthy, but also gets to just party and be with family and friends and buy and eat lots and lots of cheese. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think everyone should buy as much cheese as possible. <laughs> like, <let's laughs> all, just, the, all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, like all the time. But I think this last quarter is going to be like, yeah, I, I'm hoping to see um, major sales. That's just yes. 
You heard yes. it here first on Cutting the Curd. Um, All right, good. <laughs> um, so I guess I have one kind of, uh, one more question for you that I, I was thinking about. Sure. Was there any kind of special advice that Peggy and Sue uh, passed on to you um, oh before you took over? Or, or is it just a bunch <laughs> of curse words and good luck? No, hardly that. I mean, it's it's not like it's a goodbye by any means either. We talk, you know, pretty regularly. I actually have a, a lunch with them tomorrow. Um, nice. <laughs> you know, I can't think of any specific words of advice. I would say that in general, our collective goal. So I overlapped with Peg and Sue for six to nine months before I took over fully, which was back in 2019. And the goal that we all wanted, the team that was here beforehand, you know, I've got folks who have been on our team for 20 years, the team that we brought in, some new people, you know, you've got folks that you recognize from the cheese community, you know, Rachel Perez and Caitlin O'Neill and Rory Stamp and Vanessa Chang. I mean, great new cheese folks blended with Deborah Dickerson and Maureen Cunney and Eric Patterson. I mean, we've, we've got an amazing team. And I think that that blend is what is what we are all going for. So how can you move into this next phase of a company that is, I hope, beloved? It's an institution in the cheese world. Peg and Sue are part of these giants of our industry. How can you take that legacy and that mission and those values and the belief in what we do and keep all of the great parts of it while evolving into this next phase? So I like to think about us as this kind of blend of old and tradition and legacy and history and new and exciting and new opportunities and growth. Um, but really trying to balance those things are, are what Peg and Sue and I always talked about and still think about when we talk. Wow. Well, congratulations on the new position or the not so new position, Thank but you. I'm glad you're you're doing so well with it. It sounds like you have a, a firm handle on it all. And um, I just want to thank you for being on the show today. This was awesome. Thank you. This was, it was such fun and a pleasure to do it. I love the show and um, proud to be representing the cowgirls out here. Cowgirls, cowboys, cow people, everybody here at Cowgirl. Well, well said, well said. All right, everyone. Well, I just want to say, please follow them at Cowgirl Creamery. You can follow us at Cutting the Curd. And uh, please subscribe to Cutting the Curd wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, also, eat more cheese. Have a great day. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>